I was also deliberately using words in a manner that did not always accumulate to literal sense. I reason that there could be multiple realities and moral perspectives, tenses, and genders all in the same verses. Telling myself that if you could do this in painting, then you could do it in song. I originally resisted calls for there to be a lyric sheet at all, as I had done with all the previous releases, but eventually I relented and had Barney Bubbles lay out all of the words in a continuous stream without punctuation so it had a graphic effect rather than stressing any order or hierarchy on the page. If I had wanted to be a poet, I'd have needed to be a damn sight more accurate with my word choices, but I didn't and still do not necessarily see poetry as a higher superior calling to that of the lyricist. It is a different vocation, especially that of a performing lyricist. None of these choices were calculated in advance. They were discovered during the process of writing and recording, sometimes the sense of melancholy and doubt within the words was not fully revealed until the very moment of performance, as in the lines, maybe you don't believe my heart is in the right place. Why don't you take a good look at my face? Town crier. In 1981, we'd found ourselves in an improbably plush country house hotel in Aberdeenshire to shoot a video clip for Goodyear for the Roses. However, the hotel did not, as we had imagined, contain a piano, and when management forbade the film crew, to tear up the carpets by loading it a ham and organ. It left Steve naive with nothing to do with his hands. We sent to a nearby village to see if we could borrow a violin from a local music teacher. At least Steve could pretend he was playing along with a string arrangement. The whole process of miming to records on film was already so absurd it didn't much matter if we were all playing the song on a comb and tissue paper. When the violin arrived, it was born with rather otherworldly-looking twin sisters, charged with making sure that the visiting rock and roll band didn't set fire to their daddy's fiddle. The director of the clip immediately seized his chance to cast them as the Nashville edition background singers, pointing to the twins whenever a sweet refrain of roses appeared on the track. Occasionally, it actually looked like they were really singing. Most of the time, they just looked spooky. My own rather pale, trembling appearance in the clip was a consequence of having spent the entire previous afternoon sampling single malts with a gentleman who had struck up a conversation with me in the hotel bar. He turned out to be the headmaster of a private school near Manchester, 
and proved to be an enthusiastic advocate of the malt distilleries and a man intent on dissolving his cares and responsibilities in his stately progress along a shelf of the finest and rarest whiskeys in the bookline bar. I'm not sure if he was much concerned with who I was or what I did. He just needed a drinking cohort who understood the rhythm of the briefly illuminated conversation between periods of companionable silence. If people didn't recognize me, I usually told them that I was in the horse business and I wrote a racing form. I sometimes even dressed the part in a herringbone tweed coat with a velvet collar. Actually, my brother-in-law had just persuaded me to enter a syndicate, and I now own the hind leg of a steeplechaser. I should have known that this was not going to make my fortune when he told me that the name of the horse was Stonehenge. The prehistoric monument spent more time in the equine spa than I did on holiday. For a jumper, the name proved to be sadly prophetic. I woke at 3 a.m. back in my four-poster tomb. Now only my heart was racing, the anxiety that was familiar to me. Sleep was pretty much a stranger in those days, and good health just a distress buoy on the horizon. I got dressed and walked into the misty, dew-soaked garden. My mind was filled with intrigues that were rumored to have taken place in the country house before it had become a hotel. Through the inward and outward fog, I could just discern the kind of paradoxical phrase that had defined my first recorded collections of songs. I know this world is killing you. My aim is true. Only this time it emerged as to murder my love is a crime. Will you still love a man at a time?